All right, all right, all right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spooky Show. Spookiest show in the entire world or the universe ever in life. I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Harrison. Hello. I'm back, everybody. I'm back. <laughs> My Valentine. Oh, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Hope everyone had a lovely Valentine's Day. I agree. It's a great holiday. It is, and it's a nice holiday about love of all kinds. I know. Friends, family, self. Pets. Pets. So I hope that everybody... Had a wonderful day of giving and receiving love. And with that... Let's talk about some giving and receiving of a different kind. Oh, God. Um, we're going to be talking today about the alleged feral people in national forests. So I came across a TikTok. And since I know a lot of my listeners are from TikTok, you may have seen it too. It's Did I show it to you, Harrison? You did. You sent yeah. it to me, yeah. So it's a TikTok where a girl, she says, when you remember the night you heard a family screaming for their lives from the mountaintops of an 80,000 acre national park, and two days later, when you asked if everyone was okay, none of the park rangers knew what you were talking about, and even though you called the police and they told you the park would handle it. So then it's stitched by a girl who says... That she's absolutely certain this girl heard what she heard and that she can only speak for the Great Smoky Mountains National Park because she lives there. And that there are feral people that live out in the parks and they are cannibalistic and usually they'll just snatch kids because they're like easy targets. But they've been known to attack families too. And she also says that the federal and local government are very aware of this and they do whatever they can to hide it. But all the locals like pretty much know about it. Freaky. So, of course, I was like, okay, let's look into this. So, in this episode, I'm going to share, like, what I found and then also talk about a few weird stories about people who, like, mysteriously disappeared from national parks. So, I started off by watching the Missing 411 documentary on Hulu, which is about mysterious disappearances in national parks. And I learned that over 1,600 people go missing from national parks each year. 1,600 people each year. But the National Park Service does not keep a record of this or of the people who go missing. So, obviously, there are no official sources on this, and especially none on the feral people, but there are a bunch of people on Reddit who have pretty much, like, confirmed the existence of these feral people. I mean, like, I guess take this with a grain of salt, but, like, come on, it's Reddit. Everything you read on Reddit's true. Correct. <laughs> so one Reddit user said that in most places you're fine, but there are without a doubt feral people in those mountains that don't even speak English and they have kidnapped people before. They said that no one does anything about it and there aren't any investigations because the mountain ranges are massive, densely wooded, and literally riddled with unmapped caves because of its limestone with a lot of streams. And that, like, anyone could hide out there for decades and never be found, and it would cost a fortune to go through the mountains every time someone went missing, so they just don't do it that often. So any data we have regarding kidnappings in national parks is just going to be really bad, and they are usually just called missing persons. And you mean bad as in, like, it's just going to be incomplete? You don't mean bad as in the information is bad, it's just not complete. Yeah, it's just not going to be enough. Yeah. Sure. So they are usually just called missing persons because no one ever looked or found anything. 
Um, that's not necessarily true in the cases I'm going to be talking about. But this user also says that there are still people that live off their grid with no power in basically secluded societies in those mountains. Not a ton, but they're still out there. And then another user said, So I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, one of the closest major cities to the Great Smoky Mountains. My sister is an avid hiker and has hiked the chimneys multiple times. She swears that she heard a gut-wrenching scream for, her, for their lives of an alleged group of voices. She got to the top of the mountain and told a park ranger about it. Also, I'm having the weirdest deja vu right now. Baby, I swear it's deja vu. <laughs> so the sister told a park ranger about it. And the park ranger admitted to, to this person's sister that there are literally feral people that live in the park and kidnap and eat people sometimes. And this park ranger said that people have been going missing there, have reported like having survived being attacked by naked groups of men for decades. Apparently, the police and government have known about this, and historically, there have been attempts to deal with it. But today, it's not really talked about, probably because nowadays that park and the pigeon forge areas, like, they bring in so much money from tourism, um, apparently over like a billion dollars a year, specifically in the Smoky Mountain area. So, like, having tons of news articles about freaking cannibals would cause tons of people to, like... Right, of course. ...not go, and it would suffer. So, apparently now they just hope people just, like, don't talk about this. My bad. <laughs> well, what can you do? <laughs> so, another user said, I would trust the old people around that area. My grandpa is from the area and confirms feral people and communities exist along the trail and compared it to the North Centennial Island tribes. He says they have their own broken English and will hunt people they think they can overpower. This person also says, um, I also read on Reddit that someone's grandfather supposedly was literally bountied back in the 1950s to hunt and kill these people. What? Yeah, apparently the parks are becoming popular and so... People started noticing missing people, and they hired guys to, like, go out and kill some of them, and they found some, like, kill some of the feral people, and they found some camps with human remains and a fire and, like, caves and stuff, and apparently this person's grandfather feels guilty now, uh, supposedly, but back then the community didn't even seem them as humans, especially, like, in the context of American racism. Yeah. So, since there are no obviously no official sources on this, and this is just a theory, I thought I'd also share some stories of people who have mysteriously gone missing in national parks where this could be considered a possibility. So we'll start with, of course. Oh, by the way, I'm not going in like a lot of detail because 1,600 people a year that would be way too too many. I picked a few. Just going to briefly talk about it, um, and also like. You know, like anything that the government knows about and doesn't want you to know, there's not a lot of information that's no. easily accessible out there. And so if it right. is true that the government knows about this and is hiding it, like, they have a vested interest in there not being a lot of information out there because, you know, then their, their gross negligence and inhumanity would be clearly on display. Right. And it's like you talked about in the JFK episode, like, once people know too much... It things start to get hairy. Yes. 
So hopefully this podcast doesn't get taken down. But no, <laughs> this is a parody podcast. You know, this is just all comedy and all jokes, jokes. And so it's fair use, you know, because it's jokes. All jokes. We're going to start with, of course, Dennis Martin. Um, on June 4th, 1969, six-year-old Dennis Martin was visiting the Great Smoky Mountains with his family. And while at the park, Dennis played a game of hide-and-seek with his brother and other children. And during the game, Dennis disappeared. I also heard reports that he was trying to, like, sneak up on a family member with his brother. And when his brother, like, opened his eyes to surprise the relative, Dennis just, like, had vanished. So, I don't know. They were playing a game, and Dennis disappeared. So his family spent hours trying to locate him and eventually notified the National Park Service, and they became involved as well as the National Guard. 1,400 people assisted in trying to locate Dennis, too, and Dennis's own dad believes that his son was abducted. And his dad's theory stems from a report by another park tourist named Harold Key made three days after Dennis vanished. Key reported that he heard what he described as an, quote, enormous, sickening scream. And not long after hearing the scream, Key witnessed a man carrying something over his shoulder. And his impression was that it was a child. And sometime before Dennis disappeared, a park ranger was attacked by what was described as a wild mountain man. And there were individuals described as wild men living in the park at the time Dennis disappeared. So the FBI has never been able to absolutely confirm this is what happened, but... Connect the dots. On October 8th, 1976, while on a horticulture trip with 40 of her classmates, 16-year-old Trenny Lynn Gibson was hiking along Andrews Bald, which is also in the Great Smoky Mountains. And the students in the class broke up into smaller groups, depending on, like, how well they can hike. And only one teacher and the bus driver were on the site supervising all of the children. But no one can recall seeing Trenny after 3 p.m. And she was last seen while hiking in an area that had sharp drop-offs down to an area with considerable underbrush. The searches continued for months, but there was no trace of her ever found. Nothing. Freaky. So 58-year-old Thelma Pauline Melton was hiking near Deep Creek Campground, a trail she'd been on many times before. And this was September 25th. 1981 she was with friends when she walked ahead of them and vanished over a hill but they couldn't find her on the other side um nor could they find her at the campground where she was staying sorry i laughed it's just like literally unbelievable to think about someone just walking ahead of you over a hill and they just disappear it's honestly mind-blowing and no trace of her was ever found that's so weird And in 1991, a Boy Scout went on his first overnight camping trip with his church in San San Bernardino Bernardino National Forest. Yeah. 12-year-old Jared Negretti was with five other scouts and their troop leader when they left camp to quits to hike up 11,500-foot Mount San Gorgonio. (laughs) I am so sorry. It's the highest peak in Southern California. And Jared fell behind the group, and different reports have him either wandering off the trail, falling behind after stopping to tie his shoe, or being told to hang back for the troop to collect him on the way back down from the summit. But whatever the case, he was never seen again. Rescue teams as far west as Malibu searched around the clock, eventually finding Jared's backpack, some candy wrappers, beef jerky, and a camera. Hmm. 
12 photographs were developed, mostly landscapes. The last one was of Jared's eyes and nose taken after he went missing. The camera was discovered in the same area as the other items, but after a 16-day search that included five helicopters, rangers on horseback, and infrared cameras, Jared Negretti was never found. Whoa. Like, they have all these resources that they do use, and all these people searching. But yet nothing. Nothing. Yeah, and I mean, and even in, like, some of the most extreme cases that you've documented on this show, uh, you know... It takes a long time, but you're often able to find something. Something. Whether it's a piece of clothing, whether it's a, like a, a teeth, you know, I know that's always mm-hmm. a big one that gets found. But these are people that, you know, the first story you spoke to in the 1960s, uh, that, that, that's, you know, we're, we're, we're near on 80 years of no yeah. solution to that. Or no, yeah. 60, 60 years. Math. So now we have the Cowdens. So they had gone camping in the Siskiyou Mountains in Applegate, Oregon over Labor Day weekend in 1974, but they failed to show up for dinner at Richard Cowden's mother's house on September 1st. So media accounts from the time described their campsite as undisturbed, as if the family left abruptly. Investigators later speculated that they had been abducted. So their bodies were actually discovered in April 1975, about 100 feet from the campsite. Richard's body was found tied to a tree, while the bodies of his wife and two small children were found in a cave with rocks sealing the entrance. Like, first of all, it reminds me of Diablo Pass quite a bit. Okay. Yeah, it does to me, too. Also... The bodies were found 100 feet from the campsite. So how were they missed? How did nobody see them? Yeah. So were they put back? Like tied no to a tree. So that's obviously something. Someone had something to do with that. Just saying again, it reminds me of Diablo Pass a lot. Um, and then just briefly, we have four German tourists who went missing in July 1996 without a trace. Keith Reinhardt disappeared from Arab. Paho National Forest at the foot of the Rocky Mountains. Douglas Legg, an eight-year-old boy from Syracuse, vanished from his family's summer home in the Adirondacks on July 10th, 1971. And for this one, more than 600 rescuers searched the dense woods as U.S. Air Force planes used infrared equipment to try to detect body heat. Wow. And nothing. Wow. An article published in the journal in July 1971 reported that a C-131 aircraft also surveyed the area with a thermoscammer device used to penetrate the Vietnam foliage, <laughs> but nothing was ever found. And then I read, I didn't include this, but I read another one where this couple was out on like a boat, like a little okay. canoe, and they disappeared, but they found the boat and it was like fine. All the stuff was still in it. Okay. It wasn't like tipped over or anything. It was in perfect condition. <sighs> right? They like evaporate these people. It's so creepy. I know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like burning them and stuff. Oh, yeah. Eating them. Yeah. So there's going to be know, nothing. Hard found. to find remains. Yeah. So now we have Stacey Ann Aris. On July 17th, 1981, a group of six people, including Stacy and her father, rode into Sunrise High Sierra Camp on horseback in Yosemite National Park. And on the trip, 14-year-old Stacy told her dad that she wanted to take a photo at, like, a nearby lake. Uh-huh. And it wasn't that far from where the group was at the time. 
And a 77-year-old man from the group volunteered to join Stacy. But at some point, this old man got tired and sat down to rest. And Stacy just, like, kept going to the lake. And then she vanished, leaving only her camera lens behind. Okay. And this case is kind of what sparked the movement about, like, something weird happening in National For- Forests. Uh-huh. In part due to an author named David Paulides. He's also a former detective who wrote the book Missing 411. He's in the documentary and everything. Okay. The so documentary is very good. It is very good. I only got to see pieces of it because I was in and out working, but so good. It was good. So here's an excerpt from his book. Quote, I sat in my room at the lodge and listened to the ranger tell me about a series of missing people inside our national parks. The ranger stated that the events were very unusual. Many people were never found, and the Park Service was doing everything possible to keep a lid on the publicity surrounding the missing. He explained that non-law enforcement employees weren't privy to all the information, but that the upper echelon law enforcement supervisors inside the Park Service were concerned about the numbers and certain facts surrounding specific cases. Hmm. So since the National Park Service doesn't keep track of missing person cases from their parks, um, which is fucked Big up. Big eye emoji, if yeah. you were to ask me. A ginormous eye emoji. Big eye emoji. Paul Eitz kickstarted a petition to force the National Park Service to like actually keep a list. He like imagined it as a database that's publicly accessible, maintained by the Department of Justice, which could help these cases like get solved. But neither the Interior Department nor the National Park Service responded to requests for comment. Wow. Yeah. So there were honestly way too many missing persons cases to mention, of course. But there's still just a few I want to touch on from the Missing 411 documentary. Um, Dior Coons Jr. was only two years old when he went missing from Idaho Falls in July 2015. On the trip was his mother, father, grandfather, and his grandfather's friend, Isaac. And Dior disappeared from the campsite at like 2.40 p.m. when his grandfather turned his back for like a few seconds. And there's a lot of speculation around this one as to whether or not the parents were responsible. It was also, um, if I remember correctly from the documentary, immediately in the aftermath of the Casey Anthony case, right? Weren't they making comparisons to that because They were because they thought it was the family. Yeah, so that like around something that's really strange surrounding that particular case is that because of the cultural climate of the time and because there was such a focus on, you know, Casey Anthony. um, I mean, this is like same era as Lacey Peterson too. You know, like these kind of like really bizarre missing people killed by family cases are starting to come up more and more Mm -hmm. in the public discourse. And so immediately when you see a family like um, Dion's family, Dior, Dior, sorry, my apologies, Dior's family who, uh, you know, sort of fits into the stereotypes that people were putting upon Casey Anthony upon a first glance, you know, people were judging by like media Mm -hmm. stuff and, and people immediately jumped to like calling these like poor people who just lost, like lost their kid, calling them like hicks and child murderers and all this like absolutely nefarious, horrible shit. And then they obviously started deviating from like going public and going to public appearances and, you know, going on news and self-fulfilling prophecy right of like they did not want to they did not want to be put under this lens of being accused of being child murderers so to fix the problem they decided to not talk to the media which then just made the general public more suspect which required them to be on tv more you know like i don't know if they did it though 
there's the documentary doesn't make it clear no and there's some weird stuff out there too about how like apparently the jacket dior was wearing that they said he was wearing was found in their apartment so i don't i'm not sure on october 2nd 1999 three-year-old jared atadero was hiking with his six-year-old sister docelyn and 11 other adults near the rocky mountains and jared got separated from the group um he just like ran ahead and i think people lost track of him everyone thought he was kind of with somebody else nothing was ever found of him until may 2003 when two hikers came across remains which was arranged in a bizarre manner first of all Search and rescue teams could have sworn that they already searched the spot the remains and the clothes were found at. Also, they found his shoe in a slope, like, that's 500 vertical feet above the trail. Right. Seemingly impossible for a two-year-old to get to. Seemingly. And they also found his fleece jacket and blue sweatpants turned inside out. One pant leg was mostly scattered by birds, like, using it for their nests. And the cloth jacket appeared to have, like, puncture marks, and the shoes had, like, a little weathering, but they were also way too pristine to have been out there for years. They also found a molar and a skull cap 11 days later. And his official cause of death states, undetermined, probable mountain lion attack. But Jared's dad, Alan, like, does not believe this theory at all. Because when they tested Jared's clothing, there was no mountain lion hairs, no DNA, no blood, nothing on his clothing. And if a mountain lion would have attacked him, apparently they, they would go for, like, the stomach area. Sure. And yeah. his jacket would have been in threads, but the jacket was perfectly fine. So that's all we know. And that one makes me so mad because... and. It, Alan, the dad's in the documentary, and he's like, it wasn't a mountain lion. There would be blood on his clothes. And also, I read that mountain lions don't typically, like, they wouldn't pull his pants off. So why were they inside out? I don't know. I don't know. Then we have Bobby Bizeup, who went missing on August 15th, 1958, while attending summer camp at St. Mallow Retreat, which sits on the northeastern edge of the Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. Almost a year after his disappearance, a broken hearing aid, some ripped clothing, and bone fragments were found nearly 2,000 feet up Mount Meeker in an area already searched by authorities. This area is also seemingly impossible for the 10-year-old boy to get to. 2,000 feet up a mountain. Wow. There's also Joe Keller, a 19-year-old who went for a run in the San Juan Mountains of southwestern Colorado in 2015 and never returned. Jacob Gray, the 22-year-old who rode his bicycle during a rainstorm into Washington State's Olympic National Park in 2017 and vanished. His bike and camping gear were discovered near the Soul Duck River, but otherwise there was no trace of him. His bike wasn't damaged, his tires weren't flat, and there was no evidence he was in an accident. Wow. What the flip? What the flip? What the flip? So, David Paulides, the guy who is pretty much solely responsible for our knowledge on just how many people go missing under bizarre circumstances in national parks, he's also the founder of the North America Bigfoot search. Although I do think Bigfoot might be a possibility, I will probably do a separate episode on that. I believe the cannibal or feral people theory more, since, like, locals actually are like, yeah, this is true. 
and a lot of people say it, I feel like it's not total BS. I'm sad I can't talk about everyone, as there's so many of these, but I will probably talk about them in the future. But what we do know for now, there's some interesting facts. Most people, according to David Pollide's data, disappear in the late afternoon and during or just before severe weather. Hmm. Bodies are often never found or found in previously searched areas and often without clothing or footwear, even when hypothermia has been ruled out since people who suffer from hypothermia tend to like take their clothes off. All in all, it just seems like pe- most people like vanish in thin air. <laughs> That's honestly all I have. That's freaky. That's but- truly creepy to think about. I don't know if I really want to go to national parks maybe ever again. My mom's going on a trip to like visit a lot of them, and I'm like, Mom, don't go. I swear to God, that shit is scary as hell. You can't hell. go. What do you think? Do you think feral people, Bigfoot, something I mean, paranormal? I'm more likely to believe feral people than I am any of those other things. It just makes sense. It does make sense. And You're like, yeah, of course, sure. You know? The fuck? Like, <laughs> sure. Of course it's, it's feral people eating people. Also... Every other continent in the fucking world, like, has known cannibals on it. Like, you're right. You know, yeah. I mean, like, there's parts of Europe that are. It's like known that there's, you know, like this. This kind of shit is everywhere, and to think that America is an exception from all of the evil, crazy, scary stuff in the world is America's never the exception delusional. from that. Yeah, I know. Um. I'm like, yeah, of course there's fucking cannibals. Like, makes sense, I guess, you know? I I also, like, encourage everyone to do their own research because the fact that there's so many missing people and the National Park Service doesn't give a fuck, sorry, but it's true. It's sus. It's, sus- it's suspicious, and more people need to know that this is happening. So share this episode, please. Let me know what you think, too. I talked about this on Instagram, but I do kind of, like, believe this theory for the Dyatlov Pass, too, since a lot of the bo- one of the bodies had their eyes missing and tongue cut out. And just to do a little brief update, there was a little Dyatlov Pass. Another incident. Incident. This mm-hmm. last week. This last very week. And I kind of believe that maybe it's the same kind of thing. I just think forests are so messed up. We don't know what's in them. Sure. Like they say on My Favorite Murder, stay out of the forest. And I'm going to end on that. Stay out the forest. Stay out of the forest. I actually have a sticker that says that. But That's awesome. It's true. So, yeah, let me know what you think. You can message me on Instagram, at SpookyShowPod. You can follow me on Twitter there. And then like the show on Facebook. Join the Facebook group, Spooky Show Podcast. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And follow me on my personal accounts, Bubbleine Queen, and follow Harrison. At N and stream my band's new song, LMK. Uh, it's available wherever you stream music. It's really fun. It's like Tame Impala, Beach Boys. Yeah, Harrison wrote a... Harrison and Harrison Johnny, and my bandmate Johnny, yeah. Who was in their last episode. They wrote a banging song, Search Baseball Hat, on Spotify. The song's called LMK. And listen to his podcast. It'll all be in the description. Yeah. One last thing. Um, so you guys know I was like ordering stickers for the show and I accidentally ordered stickers that are like really freaking huge. Like think the size of like an CD 
case. Um, so if you want those, you can just message me on Instagram and I'll send them out to you. So if you want a big sticker, DM Kate this week and stay tuned next week for an announcement on normal size stickers. Mm-hmm. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye.